27 minutes away from 1 o'clock, you're listening to SENZ. Tigers fans, what is going on? Six games into the season, no wins. Better performance against the Eels on Monday night, but still couldn't get the job done. New signings, Upi Korosau, Manabit Grimmer's finest and Asaya Papalihi, David Klemmer. And what about Luke Brooks? Arguably one of the worst in the game at the moment. Joel Kane, SEN presenter, host, former Tigers players, now joins us on the programme. Joel, good afternoon, welcome. Hello, Wado, hello listeners, uh, how you going, mate? Well, I- I'm okay, how are you? Yeah, it's a bit frustrating, isn't it? Owen Six, um, their best performance probably last week, but just the self-sabotaging, there- there's just so many things that... We really need to, as Tigers, look at cause and effect. So there's things that we're doing that the Melbourne Storm don't do, the Roosters and Panthers quite often don't do, and it's pushing that little pass or it's putting the ball over the dead ball line and those little attention to detail things are ending up at tries at the other end of the field. So, you know, if you take one or two of those away, and there was probably half a dozen of those particular acts, which I'm talking about on the weekend, you take one or two of those away and you probably win the game. Sounds very much like what Warriors fans have experienced for a long time here. What you're actually saying almost fits that sort of brand that's been long associated with the Warriors. Hopefully they are turning it around. OK, let's look at Tim Sheen. So he won a premiership with them what back in 2004, almost 20 years on. Has the game moved on? Has Tim Sheen's not evolved? OK, well, what I would say to this is that there's no doubt about Tim Sheen's. He has a real attacking flair. That's his flavour. He wants everything to be attacking. And, and he's transformed some wonderful players, you know, uh, Chica Ferguson, Benji Marshall. Um, and, and, and I've been part of his training sessions. He encourages you. So he certainly doesn't punish mistakes. He encourages you to roll the dice. And if you do something in the game, he doesn't mind so long as you've practised it. So he's OK with that. My only concern, I wouldn't say the game's gone past him, but I don't think this has ever really been a staple for Tim Sheens. History says at least in more recent times, Watto, the Premiership, and I, I imagine the rugby would be similar to this, the Premiership is decided between the two teams who have the best defence. The three top teams, the two best teams, two and three teams thereabouts. And even when Tim Sheens won the comp in 05 with the West Tigers, he, him as a coach, the defensive column has never, ever been in that top three echelon. So... Has the game gone past him? I don't think so. I think it may have gone past as far as, okay, well, he really needs to invest in somebody who's got a handle on the defensive side of things, is my my answer. Okay, so then let's bring Benji Marshall in, who by design is an attacking player, very creative, very ad hoc, uh, sometimes... You know, uh, um, tends to back back himself and was encouraged to back himself. He's not a player who fits what you've just talked about either. So, from a coaching point of view, have you got two guys who are just too attacking in their mindset? Yeah, and the thing is, like, I, I love, and I preface this by saying, I love Benji Marshall. I love what he's done for the game, and you know, he's such a great player, great ambassador for the game. But why did the West Tigers have to sign him to a five-year deal? Like, there was no other clubs climbing over him to be a head coach. Now, he may well be a great head coach, but history says that type of player, that flashy, flamboyant player, um, and even including the likes of Mao Meninga and Brad Fittler, they weren't proven at coaching at club level week in, week out. Brilliant, brilliant state-of-origin coaches, you know. So Benji, for me, would be a brilliant representative coach, different kettle of fish. But... 
that type of player, I don't really, unless you go way back to Bob Fulton, I don't really recall a player like that having success. Generally, it's those guys who have had to work and scrap for every cent. You know, Madge McGuire, um, Trent Robinson, Craig Bellamy, you know, Wayne Bennett. They, that seems to be the formula for me, those more introverted, uh, calculated types. Well, Benji is an extrovert. You know, he's out there and um, it's not to say he can't add great value to a team, which I'm sure he can with all his experience, but from a club point of view, do we really need to A, sign him for five years and B, commit to three of those years being a head coach? Keeping in mind, Watto, that prior to this, my understanding is he hasn't coached a single game in his life. SG ball, jersey fleet, none of that. And I think we're totally discrediting, you know, someone like Cameron Sorrello, for example, Andrew Webster, for example, well, these guys have spent like 10 years in the, mm. in the system. And I, I spoke to another coach and I said, well, what do you think about the Benji scenario? They said, well, you actually need a lot of time in the, in the uh, seat failing. That, that's how you learn, you know, and I, well, you might get that at the Tigers the next couple of years, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't know why the club felt like they had to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like, isn't it, if you want to be the head coach these days, we see it a lot in rugby here, you've almost have got to have four or five issues of being on the cover of Women's Day because, you know, you've got a million more Instagram followers and it's all about brand these days. I'm just going to bring Sam Hewitt in. Sam, of course, calls the Warriors here. So, Sam. Yeah, uh, Joel, mate, great to have you on. Um, Luke Brooks, Tim Sheen said uh, a couple of days ago, um, you know, I don't know what people expect from this guy. They want him to score five tries a game. Personally, I don't. I haven't seen anyone uh, coming out saying Luke Brooks, has, Luke Brooks has got to score five tries a game. But are the, are the expectations on him realistic, unrealistic from Tigers fans? Um, how are you, Sammy? No, the, the expectation is frustration. Like they just The fans have put up with this. So I think there's a stat around games played for halfback for the Tigers, and it's something like 180 for Luke Brooks, and then it plummets down to Scotty Prince with about 60, Benji with about 50, Robbie Louie with about 40. All those four guys played finals. You know, this, so it, it's what they expect Tim would be the answer is. They expect him leading them to victories. That, that's what you expect from your halfback. And I'll, I'll be brutally honest... This is not the worst roster in the competition. You know, there's some great players. You met a lot of those in the intro, Watto. This is a good team. It's potentially a good team. But in saying that, you can't double down on wrong in life. And I believe we're doubling down on wrong. I've been shouting from the rooftops, even including the year he won the Dallium Halfback of the Year. The Dallium Halfback of the Year doesn't mean you're the best halfback. The best halfback's probably if you're chosen for Australia, New Zealand, in the origin teams, none of which Luke Brooks was when he won the Dallium halfback of the year. He didn't make the semi-finals. For me, Dallium halfback of the year is truly the guy who won the semi who polled the most votes. He might have polled the most votes um, with two reasons. Uh, players at other teams taking votes off each other. And the other reason being, he might have had played like a 5'8 in, in eight games outstanding, wearing the number seven gets three points allocated to a halfback. So my point in this is, the club is not giving this kid a chance. He's not a halfback. We have to pull the cord on that. He's not a halfback. And we need to give the kid 12 months or whatever's left in the season a go with a number six on his back, the pressure off leading the team, and bring him to the club an organiser. And it's been so clear for me to see for so long. I don't know why we haven't done that. Okay, but it's easy to say you shouldn't be playing him in the seven jersey. You should be playing him in the six jersey. You need to bring in somebody to organise. But who do you bring in? 
they're not like they're a dime a dozen. I mean, it's been an area for the Warriors. It's been a real concern for a long time. You've also gone out and spent an awful lot of money on Carousel, Popolihi, Klima. Did they need to perhaps prioritise the number six jersey more over, you know, numbers 10 and 11? Well, they do, but you've got to think outside the square as well. So I said this about a month ago, before this kid had debuted. So you will recall the West Tigers a few years ago. Melbourne Storm had this great kid coming through, number nine, Harry Grant. But at the time, Cameron Smith was in front of him, Brandon Smith was in front of him, and there he was playing for the Sunny Coast Falcons, not getting a run. So the Tigers at the time, or whether this was instigated by the Tigers or the Storm, I'm not sure, but they've said, OK, well, look, win-win here, and that's how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie 101, win-win. OK, so if West Tigers get Harry Grant, we're going to win more games, be more competitive. And for the Melbourne Storm, they're going to get a kid in 12 months' time who's now had a taste of first grade, which they haven't had to waste the following year. Win-win. So that worked for both parties. They've got a young fellow, Jonah Pezzett. It's the same two clubs. For me, it'll cost them nothing because keeping in mind at this stage of the year, contracts start November 1. They've been paying five-twelfths of the contract. Go and get Jonah Pezzett for the rest of the year. Jerome Hughes is back. As soon as Meany comes back, that means you've got Hughes, Munster, Meany, and there's no place for, for uh, young Pezzett. Go and get Pezzett for the rest of the year. Push Brooks to six, and it's win-win. Pezzett gets a lot of first grade, and West Tigers start winning games. I find it so fascinating, Joel, the, the um, similarities to the Warriors over the last few years. And look, we've gone out and got a new coach. We've got a whole bunch of new signings, but just polar opposites in 2023. The Warriors sort of seemingly have turned things around. I've got a lot of Tigers fans who are pretty dejected in the group chats, uh, a lot of profanities each weekend. Is there any hope for 2023 or do you think they're, they're destined for, for 17th place? Uh, no, there's certainly hope. And look, rugby league's a funny thing, confidence. And as I said to you before, they could have been so easily beaten Parramatta. So if that's the case, and you don't drop those two or three passes or push the pass for that matter or kick the ball dead, then you're going to win a game from here or there. Look, it's, players aren't robots. And the other thing that West Tigers have up their sleeve, and you saw this with the Broncos beating the Raiders, because this competition's so brutal, you're going to have these teams who are up for games. You know, Broncos playing these big teams, and all of a sudden you meet a Raiders team, and then you sort of just subconsciously turn up at about 80%. They're fired up. So they're going to win those types of games, the Tigers. They will beat a big scout. They will beat, you know, some of those middle-table teams. But they're going to fall well short of where the bookies had them and the expectation. So this is an expectation with knowing that Sheens and Benji and Robbie and all those guys are there. The expectation that Papa Lee and Coruscant and all those guys are there. And the bookmakers, which are largely led by the punters out there and the sentiment, they have the West Tigers to win nine and a half games. So that's their expectation across the marketplace. And they're going to get nowhere near that. Hey, look, just um, finally, Joel, I mean, Tigers have got a, a bye this weekend, probably comes at the right time, a chance to maybe just collectively sit down and reflect. But when you look through this weekend's round, round seven, what's the game that stands out the most for you? Oh, this six o'clock game. Um, the uh, Roosters taking on the Sharkies on Friday, that's a cracker. Uh, not often do you get the best game of the week, six o'clock on a Friday, but that that's an absolute cracker. Uh, Melbourne Storm Manly should be interesting. I think Storm will be way too good there. Warriors, the market's got them about even. I can't believe that. They, they comfortably beat the Cowboys over there, which is a massive trip in round three. And if you go back and watch that tape, you know, the big boys bumpy a four. Um, uh, and Fedor Blake and those sorts of guys. Torhu Harris absolutely carved them up. And the two tries the Cowboys scored were both fluky kicks. I, I think that Warriors, 
win very, very comfortably. I know they were a bit how you going last week, but that, as again, they're not robots. They can't perform every single week. I think they bounce back massively at Mount Smart and have a big win over the Cowboys. Yeah, well, already 20,000 tickets have been sold, so it's going to be a great crowd. Hey, look, Joel, appreciate your time on the programme this afternoon, and um, yeah, fingers crossed, and trust me, as a long-suffering Warriors fan, I can feel the hurt around your Tigers boys. Well, no, Sammy, thanks for having me, boys, any time, and um, yeah, love listening to the program. <laughs> 15 minutes away from one. You're listening to SENZ. Uh, we will take a break. We will come back with more shortly.